This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm going to ask you a sensitive question. You're the radio woman? The existence of fairies has never been a question. The answer is no. They're real. You didn't let me ask the question. Very real. So, what am I looking for? There's something going on up there at night. Those woods. Anybody who started to ask questions later on was either permanently silenced or encouraged to be silent by the evidence that others were being systematically permanently silenced. What would fairies really look like? Really look like? What I'd like to know is, why did you bring her to me? Me. Would they look more like us? Spiteful, malignant, deadly, deadly, deadly. It was already an ancient thing when it woke in the other world, its bounty hidden beneath the gnarled branches and twisted green limbs of the old wet trees that lined the moor. It shook its hairy mane and screamed up into the rainy night sky. The sound woke the village, although nobody would remember hearing it. The Spriggan had returned, and somebody was after its treasure. But that somebody wasn't actually after Spriggan treasure. That somebody was little Sally O'Brien. Just 12 summers old, Sally's bright reddish hair could be seen a-runnin' and swooshin' through the long grass and heather on the moor. Little Sally knew that once she'd reached the barrows, she'd gone too far. Her mother taught her a rhyme to help Sally remember. Never pass the barrows, lass. Avoid the graven stones. Never pass the barrows, lass, for the spriggan eat your bones. But Sally was what her mother called a lively girl. She was always out later than the other children, and she was curious. After all, wasn't it little Sally O'Brien who'd carried the wounded crow all the way home from Wellwater Hill? And wasn't it Sally who went outside to check the cellar door when the other kids had run, screaming for their mothers during the dark time after harvest? So it was when little Sally O'Brien saw the Spriggan rising from the darkness behind the barrows, beckoning with its long, thin fingers. Rather than screaming and running back home, 
Little Sally O'Brien took a step forward and tilted her head. When the Spriggan opened its mouth and screamed its scream and sounded its sound, Little Sally O'Brien stood her ground. It was hard. It took everything she had, but Sally didn't move. When the Spriggan had finished its lament and took a step toward her, little Sally O'Brien looked up into the spreading darkness and repeated another rhyme her mother had taught her. When ill met by a Spriggan, do not despair, for all is not lost if wits be there. Just stand your ground for the trolls of old and send your wood song across the knoll. The forest, the trees, the green things waking, the Spriggan's bounty, yours for taking. Fairy is a ParCast production, available exclusively on Spotify. From the Public Radio Alliance in Minnow Beats, Wales, you're listening to Fairy. I'm Ryan Bailey. Stay with us. Before we get into this episode proper, a bit of housekeeping. Elliot Waters and myself were scheduled to fly to Florida to look into three warehouses that might contain copies of the earworm, warehouses that could be targets. Margot Kinghorn was intent on destroying any book that might contain the earworm because she believed it was incredibly dangerous, a belief that was shared by Elliot Waters. Not surprisingly, the police took the threat of arson, or worse, far more seriously than the possibilities of a haunted fairy song that takes children into another world to feed ancient gods. They picked up Margot Kinghorn outside of a motel in Florida. She had the missing child with her. He was completely fine. The police were unwilling to share any information about Margot Kinghorn's potential target or targets. The location of her motel, however, was very close to one of the three warehouses that we were going to investigate, a building that may have held inventory of a children's book containing the night song. I know Waters is very concerned about the night song or the earworm, a verse he's convinced not only poses a danger to children, but if read aloud in a place of power, allegedly opens a portal between the worlds. As described by the Welsh bard Taliesin, the night song opens a gateway to hell. Waters told me that he might be able to save us a trip to Florida. He'd contacted somebody who might be able to help us look into those warehouses. Waters was just waiting to hear back from him. In the last episode of Fairy, we were introduced to the South Star, a woman who Elliot Waters referred to as a Spriggan. 
I'm using the term woman to describe the South Star, but although she did tell me that she identifies as female in our world, she definitely doesn't identify as human. In Cornish fairy folklore, a spriggan is a legendary creature similar to the trolls of Scandinavia. Often depicted with twisted tree-like limbs or as tiny, ugly old men with huge heads, spriggans were often found around burial grounds, ruins, and barrows. Like leprechauns, spriggans reputedly guard some kind of treasure or riches. It has also been said that spriggans act as bodyguards to fairies and that they love to threaten and terrify travelers through the world of the Fae. In one story, it was turning clothing inside out that waylaid the spriggans' attack. In another, it was a soothing song. Spriggans are also believed to have the ability to create illusions in the minds of humans, driving them to perform outlandish deeds or services for the fairy kingdom. Which brings us back to the woman named April, who Waters referred to as both the South Star and a Spriggan. Although there is something almost otherworldly about her, the South Star, or April, appears to me, for all intents and purposes, to be a human female. A bit taller than average, unconventionally attractive, and definitely what you might call magnetic. But still, human. And yet, there was the milky cinnamon smell, or the feeling of the smell. Maybe it was Elliot Waters getting in my head, being followed by conspirators and SUVs with tinted windows, or the whole idea of ancient mythology come to life. But in that moment, I had the very real sense that there was something that just wasn't the same about her. She was different. Now I'm going to play you the second part of my interview with the South Star in the back office of that nightclub. You'll remember Elliot Waters was present as well. She's looking for proof. So are you, from what I'm told. That is not an option. What are you talking about? Nothing. No, you don't get to do that. I'm sorry? Yeah, you don't get to shut me down. What? She implied that you wanted proof as well as me. You're looking for proof of the department. I like her. I like you. That's great, but I'm still not putting up with doublespeak and innuendo. Can everybody please keep the smirks off their lips and out of their words for a few minutes and speak straight? It's hard to explain what happened next, but that's kind of my job, so here goes. I'm going to begin with the smell again, or the feeling that I associated with my sense of smell that wasn't exactly a smell. It was as if I was missing all or at least some of the scents required to process it. It was strange, like if I had more experience with it, I'd be able to understand. I was thinking about the milky cinnamon smell or whatever that pleasant, enveloping, overwhelming sensation was when I began to feel heavy, like I was sinking into my chair. It was while I was experiencing this sinking feeling that I saw the South Star. She was different. She'd changed. She'd become more 
real. But I know that doesn't make sense. It was like that feeling or that texture, the difference between film and video, the intense perceived reality of high definition video versus film moving at 24 frames per second. She felt more real than real. She leaned forward, kissed me gently on the forehead, slipped a pair of black headphones onto my head, and then led me out of the back office and into the nightclub. We danced for a long time, moving to the electronic music. It was slow, pulsing, and it felt organic. It was beautiful, and I remember crying because I knew that at some point that music would have to end. I don't actually remember the music ending, but I do remember looking around at all the people in the club. A young woman with rainbow-colored hair and a torn black Led Zeppelin t-shirt and silver leggings, a pair of very tall male twins dancing with another man in a purple suit jacket and purple shorts. There was a young pregnant woman dancing with an older gray-haired man and a middle-aged hair metal rocker guy in a culture club t-shirt dancing by himself. It was quite a scene. At one point, the man in the purple shorts fell to his knees and had to be helped up by the twins. A bit of bright red blood trickled from his knee. It looked like maybe he'd injured it on a loose nail or something similar, but like everybody else, he just kept dancing, moving to the music. I wondered if he was listening to the same thing I was. I started watching the way everyone was moving. I couldn't detect any signs that we were dancing to the same music, but everybody was moving kind of in sync. It was comfortable, beautiful. The South Star's dance was intoxicating. Her hips low and steady, her arms in smooth, perfect motions, back and forth. She leaned back, closed her eyes, and let her hair fall behind her, and then, Suddenly, I was back in the office. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like Ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side by side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. I was sitting back in the chair across from Elliot Waters in April, the woman Waters calls the South Star. The conversation we'd started before the South Star took me out to dance continued. Elliot leaned forward a little and asked me a question. What do you remember? What do you mean? I mean, watch this. At this point, Waters showed me his phone. He'd been videotaping our meeting. 
He played that video for me. At no point did I leave the room. In fact, there was no pause in the conversation at all. The video goes directly from our conversation, just before I experienced whatever I'd experienced outside that room, to Elliot Waters asking me what I remember. The first thing I suspected was that Waters had manipulated the video somehow, using a video editing program on his phone. He showed me that he had no such application. I thought he must have deleted it, but I had no way of proving it. There was another way to check. My voice recorder. I played back the voice recorder file from that session. It was the same as the video. There's no break between my asking them to speak straight with me and Waters asking me what I remember. I checked the time code. It appeared to be legit. It looked like I never left that room. Suddenly, all the blood in my body seemed to rush to my face and hands. I felt hot, confused. I rushed outside into the warehouse proper, and there they were. Every single person I'd seen while dancing on the floor with the South Star, Led Zeppelin woman, the twins, pregnant girl, and all the rest of them, including the man in the purple shorts, the man with the blood running down his leg from his clearly very recently wounded knee. So, what happened to me? Had I been hypnotized somehow? Had the South Star implanted some kind of suggestion? Had I been drugged? Was the scent that accompanied the mysterious woman some kind of drug pumped into the room through the ventilation system? Because the alternative was just too crazy to consider, wasn't it? Elliot Waters had promised me proof, and in his mind, this was it. But I still had a lot of questions. The next day, I went back to the location of the silent disco, but the place had been completely cleaned. There was no evidence that anything had taken place. This wasn't surprising, I suppose. Cleaning companies often work through the night. I asked Waters to contact the South Star and ask her if there was security camera footage I could see from the party, but he told me that she would never have allowed cameras on the main floor. Not only because hers is an extremely exclusive clientele, but also because that clientele more than occasionally indulges in a large number of illicit substances. So it was like it never happened, but it did, didn't it? That night, after Waters and I left the South Star to our strange silent dance party, I asked him if he'd be willing to answer a few more questions. What else would you like to know? Was I... Am I drugged? No. Are you sure? Yes. Hypnosis? Do you believe you were hypnotized? I don't know what to believe. I think you know. I remember it happening. Perfectly, clearly. That's because it did happen. How? She's a spriggan. It's something she can do. Because she's Superman, enhanced by the proximity to Earth's yellow sun. 
That kind of thing, yeah. Well, I was, am, fairly moved by that experience, whatever it was. Right. But... But I'm not ready to file that experience under the heading, Proof That Supernatural Beings Exist. No? Not quite yet, no. So you kind of see the problem I've been up against. Finding proof that's not so ephemeral and personal. Exactly. But your department people already believe in fairies. Those who have been involved in the department for over a decade believe, of course. But I may have to convince some other less experienced minds. The South Star said that she needed you now. She seemed desperate. Yes. Why is that? She's worried about something coming through from the other side. The ones who feed. Waters? Yes. There is another bit of audio that I didn't include in my last interview with the South Star and Elliot Waters. Before we left that party, when Waters stepped out into the warehouse to find a bathroom, the South Star had some things to say. Elliot is good. What do you mean? I mean, you humans all have a kind of charge, on balance, positive or negative to varying degrees. And Waters' charge is positive? Yes. I'm not sure what to do with that information. He let me stay. And there are others. Others? Fair folk. He's supposed to send us back. You don't want to go back? Most of the Fae who wander through desire to and should return home, yes. But not you? April? There's nothing for me there anymore except bad things. Is it hard staying here? It is hard being away from the Fade. It's a source of power, of energy. We, well, there are certain sacrifices we make, very large sacrifices, but I love it here. I have a life. What kind of sacrifices? It doesn't matter anymore. What matters now is Elliot. He's not strong enough for what he's planning. What do you mean? Those people out there are nuts. At that moment, Waters re-entered the room, and his return ended our conversation. I did ask him about it later, however. I'd like to ask you about something, if you don't mind. Of course. What is it? It's something your friend April told me when you left to go use the bathroom. Okay. Is it true that you allow the Fae to stay here against the rules of your former organization? I suppose it doesn't matter now that the department's been shuttered. 
Yes. I have allowed certain fey folk to remain behind. Why? For their safety. They were in danger? Yes. From who? Or what? From others in their world. Others? The ones who feed? In a roundabout way, yes. What do you mean? Some of the fair folk are traitors to their own. These traitors serve the ones who feed. Traitors? Those unwilling to forgive what happened. What the department did to them? Yes. Is there any way you can explain a bit more about that? A hierarchy or whatever term fits? Spriggans, ones you feed, it's a bit confusing. The word hierarchy isn't quite right. Why not? Well, because the old gods are... What? Farther away. We established earlier that the old gods and the ones who feed are the same thing. Different terms for the same thing, yes. Okay, so the old gods aren't higher on the food chain. Well, they're more like older and, and different and holding the food chain. Oh. If they wake up again or take an interest in the Fade, it could mean that they take an interest in humans. They've been here before. When? When there used to be dinosaurs. Oh. At this point, I asked Waters a couple of questions that had been on my mind since meeting the South Star. The South Star mentioned that you were planning something. What's she talking about? I have no idea. She seemed worried about you. We go back a long way. Okay, so if the South Star is a fairy... She is. Is her physiology different than ours? Yes. Then... Why not just try and bring her to your former employers? Because all traces of the department have been erased. There's nobody? Nobody I'm certain I can trust. Can't you try? It's not that simple. Why not? There are a couple of reasons. I'd be happy with one. It would be extremely dangerous for me to reach out unless I had indisputable proof. A Spriggan is an indisputable proof? Yes, but it... But what? They'll send her back. Back into her world? Yes. Why is that bad? She would be... Unsafe. Why? A large number of the Fae don't appreciate their kind interacting with humans. 
Is there anybody you trust who might corroborate your story and not send her back? You have to try. I did try. What do you mean? A couple of years ago, I tracked down a former department operative. What happened? They convinced me to bring her in. Did they believe you? She and another were attacked. Attacked? By whom? People I thought I could trust. You said she and another. Yes. There's another Spriggan. Not a Spriggan. A Corrigan. What's a Corrigan? This one was my ex-girlfriend. You've been listening to Fairy. I'm Ryan Bailey. Fairy is a ParCast production, available exclusively on Spotify. Fairy is produced by Terry Miles, produced, mixed, and edited by Nick Silver and me, Ryan Bailey. Associate Producers, Carlene Bennett and David James. Executive Producers, Terry Miles and Hollis Adams-Lane. If you enjoy Fairy, you'll love our other shows, Tannis and Rabbits, at tannispodcast.com and rabbitspodcast.com. For legal and safety reasons, we've elected to change some names and leave others out entirely. We don't do this very often, but we're unwilling to compromise people's safety for any reason. Thanks again for listening to Fairy. <laughs>